You're listening to Fresh Floppies, episode 29. Nine. Nine times. 29 times. Let's go. What is up to all our sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation? My name is Noel, and you're listening to Fresh Floppies, episode 29. <clears throat> this will be a slightly sleepier episode um well that's that's a terrible way to introduce it actually uh so as uh some of you may know we were not here last week i was traveling and um came back everything was fine but then we just all got sick so i'm running this solo as to not infect jd and his his adorable son um and gonna try and keep the volume down and not cough directly into the mic because there's nothing more important than getting my opinions about these comics out to you. Because that's that sounded really egotistical. I'd probably come up with a different way to say it. It's, 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 it's my pleasure to provide my unsolicited opinion about these. Uh, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so what's, what's Fresh Floppies? Fresh Floppies is a show where we talk about brand new copies comics that come out this week i'm talking today right now um on your shelves uh single issues what are single issues single issues are um floppies periodicals sequential stories uh through art and word um (laughs) in the language that is comic books um so yeah we're just going to talk about them non-spoiler uh hopefully uh give our uh, throw our throw our little uh uh, two cents over the fence regarding uh, what you should or could or may want to consider when picking up your books this week. So it's, <clears throat> I'm short on breath. It's a very massive week with a bunch of new number ones and, 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 and long awaited books coming out. So let's just jump right into it. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is Dawn of DC's Wonder Woman number one, written by Tom King with art by Daniel Sampier. Uh, everyone knows Tom King. <clears throat> if you don't, you should. Uh, and Daniel Sampier uh, just recently wrote, or sorry, just recently drew Dark, uh, what is it? Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, Dark Crisis for, um, for DC. So he is um, a rising star there. And together they are taking a fresh spin on Wonder Woman. There's been a lot of discussion online about this book. Um, I mean, if, if anybody's on Twitter, which will always be called Twitter in my home, <clears throat> they, uh, especially on, on comic book Twitter, there's uh, been a lot of like review copies and, and PDFs going around of this book. Um, and people have been spouting off about their opinions. Uh, one opinion that kind of struck out to me was that this is the kind of comic that will, uh, in uh, paraphrasing quotes, piss off the right people. <clears throat> and I didn't actually understand what that meant. And then I read it, and I kind of agree. This this might piss off the wrong, the right people. Um, this is very much... Um, I, I really like this comic. Now, this might be a... Um, this might be because I read a lot of Tom King, and or I've been sick the last couple of days, but when I first sat down to read this comic, I fell asleep. <clears throat> now... <laughs> <laughs> that is not a, um, uh, a a problem of the book. That's a problem of me. But it is a uh, wordy wordy undermines it. It's it's a it's a meaty book. Um, 
Tom King has a way of uh, juxtaposing text boxes and narration with action and time frame. So the first issue is is actually very dense. Um, the narration, you don't know where it's coming from until the very last page. Um, and the events that are being depicted on the panels are happening over the course of a couple of months, I believe. Um, and it's just, it's a bit of a speed round of a uh, table setting of, of getting the status quo of this book set up. And the work itself is mildly cumbersome, but it, to me, it pays off so incredibly well to the point where I was slightly pumping my fists towards the, the back half. So this book, um, the, the concept of this book is that <clears throat> Amazonians, Amazonians are no longer welcome in America for various reasons, and there is a task force uh, set to extradite them. Um, a lot of terrible things happen in the name of personal freedom. And you start to learn that there's more to the story, and Wonder Woman being who she is, a paragon of truth and love, is not um, compliant. Uh, and then we kind of go from there. This is, this is a meaty issue. The art is fantastic. Um, Daniel St. Pierre, I, I had no issues with him on uh, Dark Nights on Dark Crisis, <laughs> Fudge, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. I thought his art was really well done. Um, I think this story serves his style better. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I would, I would highly recommend picking this up. This, if if you are the kind of person that does not want your popular fiction to challenge concepts or ideals it may not be the book for you but if you do think that it's impressive when uh, a writer or creative team is able to kind of overlay current struggles or concepts with four color comic books then this might be the book for you uh it's it's well done. I really liked it a lot. I think it's very fresh. There was, I'm not going to talk about the, um, the, <clears throat> the build of the book. It's a basic comic book. There's like 400, uh, variant covers. Um, but the, the basic, the, the, the main cover that I got, it's just, it's a well put together book. It seems thicker. Um, so I, th I wouldn't be surprised if it's got an extra couple of pages. Um, but it's not double sized, but yeah, this was, this was a wonderful read. I'm, I'm in for this series. I think you guys should check it out. The next new number one that I want to talk about today is another uh, symbol, a uh, character that is a symbol, um, and that's Captain America number one, uh, written by J. Michael Straczynski with art by Jesus Saez. Um, the previous Captain America run just ended. It was a bit of a short run, maybe like 20 issues total, um, where they had split both the, the split it into two books. It was um, Captain America, Symbol of Truth, which was uh, the... Sam Wilson, Captain America, and Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, which was the um, Steve Rogers. This is, that ended very well. It's a really fun run, those two books together. So, you know, go back, check them out. Um, this is a bit of a, uh, not a reboot, just like a a fresh start after the events of that. Um, <clears throat> and it's, um, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think this was a strong book, uh, but... It was a lot of table setting. Um, if anybody's not familiar with J. Michael Straczynski, um, he's been spending the last couple of years doing a lot of comics for AWA, um, but he's got deep roots in um, Marvel Comics. Uh, he 
you know, he wrote the much debated and still popular uh, Spider-Man run <clears throat> before Brand New Day. He's uh, he's kind of like the last person to touch the older uh, Spider-Man continuity where he's married and et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> he's also done a lot of work. Um, Ultimate Power was awesome. Or just, yeah, Supreme. Ult Supreme Power. Supreme Power was, was awesome with Gary Frank. Um, and then just like tons and tons of others. So his return to Marvel Comics was a bit of a like, ooh, okay, I'll give that a shot. This is a very, I wouldn't call this an exciting book uh, issue. It's more of a table setting and um, it's very classy. It's very classic. It's solid. Um, there's less punching and more just kind of um, internal dialogue of Steve, where he's coming from. Um uh, the the <clears throat> the concept of this original this first issue is just that his his uh, apartment building in, in New York, the one that his mother lived in, that is you know he's been uh, in for I don't know a hundred years or <laughs> give or take sixty where he was sleepies, um, and uh, it's being sold and he asks for a loan from Tony Stark to kind of buy the building and then renovate it and make it rent controlled and help out the community. Awesome idea. It's um. So it's it's kind of that it's it's kind of like a, I I feel the thesis of this book so far is going to be like Captain America trying to or Steve Rogers himself trying to lead by example, um, and then towards the back half it starts to to sow the seeds of um, some bad guy, whoozy what's it's magical stuff, which at first felt inorganic or tacked on, but you know, stepping back, it was it was pretty solid. This is very much an introductory issue and a very safe jumping on point. Um, you get flashbacks the whole nine. It's it's very. It seems as though this this first issue, if if not the whole series, is going to be like this. The first issue is definitely kind of an exploration as to uh, the mind frame of of uh, Steve Rogers, which is cool. It's very nice. Um, uh, but yeah, I I would um I don't. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Is this, uh, somebody read it and let me know, is this a, a good jumping on point for somebody that's not familiar with Steve Rogers or wants to try the comic for the first time? Or is it maybe a little bit more in the bag of like, you're already a fan and this is kind of a, a, a return to basics? So I'm, I mean, I'm a fan. I'll, I'll, I'll keep reading this to see how it goes. Um, J. J. Michael Straczynski has kind of burned me in the past, but it doesn't overlap. Or it doesn't overshadow the, the quality of the breadth of his work in comic books. Um, and a, he's still a, a writer to always give a sample to. So, so yeah, I think this was fresh enough. The next book we're going to talk about uh, from uh, Dawn of DC. Also, I, when do we stop saying Dawn of DC? I guess probably just when they stop putting the banner up. But uh, Dawn of DC presents Green Lantern War Journal Number One, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Montos. Just Montos. Never heard of them before. But um, if their work is uh, indicative, if the body of their work is indicative of this issue, cool. Um, this is a John Stewart Green Lantern book. Uh, I remember when the Dawn of DC titles were first originally announced, they had talked about how there was going to be two, <coughs> two Green Lantern books, one Hal Jordan, one, one John Stewart one. And then the Hal Jordan one launched with a John Stewart backup, and they stopped talking about the John Stewart book, so I, I thought it was canceled or just absorbed. But here we are, a new John Stewart Green Lantern book. Now, I have not read the last 
couple years of, of John Stewart's status quo. Um, but this is not really a problem with this book. This is a wonderful jumping on point. Uh, it's a pretty solid ass book. They, um, <clears throat> they give you a, 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 a rundown of what's going on. Apparently the, the Green Lantern Corps is no longer, um, self, <laughs> self-sufficient, self, self-regulating, um, and the United Planets are now controlling the Green Lantern Corps, and they have quarantined Earth, effectively, uh, because lots of trouble happens uh, from, on, or with Earth. Um, and they've... <clears throat> um, the impression I got is that they are not allowing any Earthlings or anybody on Earth to have a Green Lantern ring. So we've got... Held, uh, sorry, we've got Jon Stewart trying to figure out um, his new life. Um, and he does have the ability to manifest um, constructs without a ring, which I don't understand, but it's okay. It's it's not it's not really important to understand exactly how that happened in status quo. You just kind of you get the information revealed to you through character, which is how things should go. Um, show don't tell, you know that wonderful Bon Mott. Uh, yeah, so this is this is a solid ass jumping on point. It's it's got a lot of horror tinges to it, like hard sci fi horror tinges. Um, we start the, the opening scene, um, wonderfully drawn by Montos. We start with, a, a, a scary, scary horror scenario for like a, um, a astronauts working at a space station and then, you know, hard cuts to John Stewart in his normal life. And then these two plot lines start to kind of merge together. This is a solid jumping on point. I, I, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Um, Philip Kennedy Johnson <clears throat> is just crushing at DC, just everywhere. Um, his... His uh, Superman War World um, was great, and uh, this book, uh, similarly so, it seems. Uh, so yeah, this might be this might be a anybody that's not been reading Green Lantern um, has an affinity for the old cartoon, likes John Stewart, never even tried it and been like, hey, what's what's up with this? Um, I would I would recommend this. I think this was a fresh comic. This was fun. We're gonna take a little trip over to the Marvel Universe of Things, uh, specifically the 20th century Marvel Universe of Things. Those of you that don't know, Marvel has been branding all of the um, 20th century, formerly Fox IP comics with like a new 20th century banner. That's the Predator, Alien, Planet of the Apes comics. <clears throat> and one came out today, uh, which is their first crossover kind of um it's predator versus wolverine written by benjamin percy who's been writing the uh ongoing wolverine and x-force titles with art by a bunch of people um ken lashley greg land and jay liston <coughs> jay oh and andrea andrea DeVito. um why so many artists well this is the kind of story that jumps back and forward in time um you've got We've got two characters, main characters, entities, if you will, uh, in Wolverine and the Predator, who have a species name, and I didn't know that. Uh, did anybody know that the Predator species name is Yautja? Y-A-U-T-J-A? Yautja. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, I, I knew Xenomorph had a name, and that's just an alien, but I guess Predator does too now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, the, both of these species, uh, you know, span a couple hundred years, um, uh, and they've been up to it for a while. So it smash the beginning of this story smash cuts to Wolverine being very beat up. This is a, this is a mature book. I think violence alone. Um, 
or like a MA or something. I, that is mature. Doesn't matter. Um, a very, very beat up chunks of himself missing on the run in the woods. And we find out it's a predator that's been <clears throat> chasing him with claw marks in its mask, implying they have met many times, if not at least once. Then we flash back to, you know, <clears throat> early Canada, early 1900s Canada and back and forth. And, and then you get to see a, a tale of when they first met. And then it switches to the um, Weapon X era Wolverine uh, and they meet again. So this seems to be almost like um, this is structured similarly to um, what was it? The many the lives and deaths of Wolverine or something like that, where one of the series was him basically jumping into his mind, his present day mind, jumping into various versions of his younger body at different time periods and stuff. This is that for the reader. We get to see different eras where he's fought the or a predator. Um, how's the book? It's fine. <clears throat> it's uh, it's oversized. Um, I picked up, the, there's a thousand covers. I picked up the Scotty Young one because I'm a sucker for a Scotty Young cover. Uh, even if it's tonally inappropriate or it doesn't match at all with the style of the book. Um, I am not a giant fan of Greg Land's art. Um, I mean, it's very competent and paced well. It's just, if you've seen it, you keep seeing it. Um, he um, he uses photo references, and he's been using the same photo references for a couple decades. So it's just, you know, after a while you start to realize, like, oh, it's the same face as the one book from the other time and the back and forth. So, like, it, it it's fine. Um, it doesn't deter from the book, but it also doesn't draw the book. Um draw to the book he draws the book um and it's it's just okay this is like a b a b b movie kind of book um i don't think it's an actual continuity but maybe it is who knows uh it's it's um it's just solid it's like a c plus b minus um if you are in the bag for either of these characters i really like benjamin percy his his uh his his uh storytelling I enjoyed the first chunk of Wolverine and the first chunk of X-Force. And I did enjoy the first chunk, uh, the first like 10 or so issues of, of Ghost Rider. I'm a little behind. So I <clears throat> I enjoy these, uh, this creative, most of this creative team. But this first issue was just, it was a little by the numbers. It was fine. Um, I will probably see if it's, you know, great later on. But I don't know about pulling it monthly uh, for myself. But like I said... If if the IP and you're a super fan, go to town. You'll probably enjoy a lot of this. Uh, but compared to the Predator book and the Alien book, this is not as good as those. Because those those were kind of like taking what you're familiar with and, and introducing new themes and, and new characters. Uh, this is a little bit more samey. Um, but not bad. Just, you know, mid. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's fresh enough. Fresh enough for a fan. I want to talk about two more books today. Uh, one, the first one being um, Big Game, number three out of five, by Mark Miller, with art by Pepe Larraz. Um, this is a really odd book to me. Um, it's it's constructed like a <clears throat> like a, a big crossover book, but it's very very uh, uh, tight, meaning there is no there's no fat on the bone. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or not. It, <clears throat> this book doesn't give a give a, a hoot, uh, a single a single hoot. If you've read all other eighteen 
Mark Miller titles that this kind of converges and leverages characters from and treats all of these characters in as willy-nilly a fashion as all humanly possible. Like, um, without spoiling anything, uh, a lot of things happen between issue two and three um, that are kind of like laying waste to... <clears throat> previously established his status quos in each one of these other books like he is playing so fast and loose that it's starting to lose its impact you know like there's a shock let's say there's a, a shock or a twist and then you're like oh my god i didn't see that coming in how did you do that and why did you do that but then if it's followed up by 15 other similarly weighty shocks without a breath in between it starts to lose its impact and you start to question whether any of these will stick. Now, I know that comic books, man, comics, nothing stays forever, blah, blah, blah. But these are creator-owned, so there's a little bit more weight to large status quo shifts if there wants to be. And um, just paced out seems like it would, would have more impact. But this has literally been between issue the end of the second half of issue two and almost this entire issue is is beat after beat of of on the nose craziness to the point where I'm starting to see the seams of maybe what comes next instead of riding along with it, like a roller coaster. Um, that that's my personal experience. Now the art is absolutely phenomenal. Um, seeing all these characters again is great. Even if it's for one panel, I think we get huck for like a page. <clears throat> and the magic order are just like hanging out on a rooftop at one point. Um, but um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm usually a, Mike, a Mark Miller apologist in so much as um, I'm surprised by, you know, a thoughtful interpretation of this or a surprising execution of that. Um, and then there's times when it's just obviously Mark Miller kind of being borderline edgy and, look what I did. Um, and this is a little bit more of that. Um, I, I hope that it, in the next two issues, it pulls me back in, but yeah. Um, I think this is fresh enough, just fresh enough. Uh, it's not bad, but it's starting to kind of wear out. It's welcome in how air quotes shocking it's trying to be. And, uh, I'm not really falling for it anymore. Um, but I, but I really, but I, I, I want this to kind of nail its ending. Yeah, absolutely. And the the last book I want to talk about is <clears throat> Guardians of the Galaxy uh, number six. So this is a wrap-up to the first arc of this relaunch of Guardians of the Galaxy written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with uh, normally art by Kev Walker, but this is art by uh, guest artist Alex Linz, who I'm not familiar with, but uh, it's a, a very good Kev Walker facsimile. Uh, tonally and, and stylistically the book matches with its previous issues now I read this and I have no idea where it's going to go now <laughs> this is one of the most um, heady kind of introspective metaphoric big two comic book I've read in a really long time um I think so if, if anybody's reading this book at the end of issue five, I th it looked like they all kind of died. And now in issue six, 
it looks like they're all kind of dead. <laughs> I don't know how else to kind of say it, and I don't think it's a spoiler because it's it's you know, it's painted on every every image of every page, and you're kind of you're going. Th- the beginning of this series started with a central mystery of what's happening with Groot and the Groot fall. This um, issue is kind of showing all of their last moments, their last their 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 choices that led up to the beginning of the first issue. These split second decisions that they all made, and how they're all kind of harboring fault for themselves, and and we also saw some other deaths that I didn't even know happened. This is a very weird book, and I I still don't know if I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it enough to keep going, and to very much appreciate the swing. Like this is a really weird, wide swing. Um, it's not unlike uh, if anybody had read the Al Ewing um, uh, short run of, of Guardians of the Galaxy, he killed Peter Quill in like issue five. And that dude stayed dead in another universe for hundreds of years for like six issues. So I I like the idea that the Guardians of the Galaxy are turning into this, this set of characters that are um, they're ever present. They're very popular IP. But creative teams seem to be doing weird things with them, and I think that's a great thing uh, because they are a weird group. So it's they're not maybe they're not tied down to one specific type of genre or one specific type of heroic, and I think that's really cool. So even though this issue, I'm still kind of soaking on it, uh, marinating on it, digging into it. <clears throat> um, I really appreciated what it was, and I think this first arc was pretty damn strong. Um, so I hope that, uh, wherever it goes next, because there is an issue seven, this did not end, um, is just as compelling. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, there's a bunch of, there's a other bunch of other stuff coming out today, uh, that I am excited for, uh, Dawn of DC, Titans number three, Nightwing 106, um, we've got, uh, World's Finest number 19 with the Nicolas Cage cover, yep, look it up, Nicolas Cage cover, <clears throat> Some indie stuff, uh, Rom V's uh, Rare Flavors, Richard Blake's Hexagon Bridge. There's a lot of really cool comics coming out, and I'm very excited for DC to be back to being DC. We took like a two-month break of just almost all of their titles being Night Terrors. Now we're back into the regular books, and they're um, they're welcome. <clears throat> but yeah, that's, uh, that's all for today. Thank you for joining us on uh, this episode of Fresh Floppies. You can find us normally on Wednesday nights, live from Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, doing the live podcast, and every Wednesday morning, afternoon-ish, uh, doing this show where we talk about new comic books out this week, spoiler-free reviews, and uh, what you do with that information is, is your choice. It's up to you, but just know that we're, uh, we're happy you're just listening. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Um, be sure to, oh, oh yeah, we do requests. Yeah. If you want us to review some book that's coming out or whatnot, or something that you see coming, let us know. We'll talk about it. I love that stuff. <clears throat> but, uh, oh yeah. And email us at coldpopgo at gmail.com. And, uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys later and have a good one. Do, do, do. Thank you.
you for listening to the Cult Pop Network, home to podcasts, live shows, and a whole lot of fun stuff for every flavor of fan. Follow us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and be sure to join us live every Wednesday night at youtube.com backslash cultpopgo at 8 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell icon so you'll know when we drop new Thunder Rounds and episodes of Fresh Floppies, a spoiler-free show about single-issue comics released each week. Until then, we'll talk at you later.